everyone, my name is Jordi Mueller and welcome to Between the Head and the Heart. And uh, today we're actually uh, very lucky to have two of probably of the most important people uh, in the Lexington Wealth family life. Uh, we have Michael Tucci, CEO and co-founder of Lexington Wealth. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing fantastic, Johnny. How about you? Perfect. Uh, I'm glad you're here and uh, spending some time with us. And um, we also have David Morton, which is the Chief Market Strategist for Rokuton Investment Advisors, um, which are our research partners. They help us with a lot when it comes to portfolio construction and creation. And we thought we spent a little bit of time talking about how they feel about the markets. Uh, this is a question we get a lot from clients, a lot from uh, friends of the firm, and we thought no better two people than the two of them to talk about it from both a person that is breathing and living research in a daily basis and from somebody that deals with hundreds of clients on an annual basis. So let's, let's, I just want to start with a simple question to both of you. Given where we are in the economy, given everything that it's going on, some positive, some negative numbers for 2018, how do you feel about the U.S. market right now? Uh, David. Uh, well, good morning uh, to both you, Jordi, and, and to Mike as well. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I think we've, uh, we're at the tail end here of a fairly volatile week. Um, um, the first week in December 2018, we've had uh, um, positive news, or at least what we thought was positive news on trade, get quickly dashed by um, uh, other comments or lack of comments from, from the Chinese side. Um, you know, I, I feel that the market is is catching up with sort of, uh, I think, a growing nervousness related to trade and what the impact of that nervousness uh, does to global growth. Uh, I also think that the Federal Reserve here um, in the last 10 days or so has started to change its tune. And uh, I think part of why they've started to change their tune is is what the market's been reacting to already, which is that um, the data's actually been slowing from what was a, a really strong year in, in 2018. And then I think we have some other sort of challenges on, on the horizon that uh, could just sort of sail by and, and be fine or could really spook the market in 2019. I think the, the, the poster child for that is sort of the ongoing tensions around Brexit and in the UK. So, so the market had done really well through September 30th of, of this year. And in the fourth quarter, it's really sort of hit a speed bump and, uh, and started to struggle. And, and we've seen obviously, um, decent amount of volatility in the equity market, but we've also seen uh, material cheapening, uh, I think, in, in a variety of credit markets here as the, as the year sort of comes to a close. So uh, this is why it's so uh, uh, kind of cool that we get to translate a little bit of what we hear from a market strategist to a wealth manager. So Mike, tell us how everything that you just heard or that we're experiencing can impact clients. Sure. Thanks, Jordan. So when we're planning for clients, we're looking at the next 5, 10, 20, 50 years. So we try not to get overly carried away with current events. Um, you know, we may look at it as an opportunity. So I'll say this. For the last year, with many clients, um, we've looked at the market and said, things are getting expensive. When things get expensive, news moves markets more. So for those clients that are maybe a little less patient, a little more nervous, you know, we've, we've taken portfolios 
and would pull them back a bit and made them a little bit more conservative. So I guess being a little bit of a contrarian, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm pleased. I never like seeing things go down, don't like seeing people worry. But the market pulling back a bit um, is maybe a better thing for the intermediate run. Um, I always worry about the old melt-up scenario when markets just start going crazy at the end. Um, so those are my basic thoughts. Awesome. Thank you. David, anything you want to comment on, Mike? No, I would, I would, uh, you know, I think uh, I would agree that um, the, you know, the, the market in sort of a backward-looking way felt really good a few months ago, um, but I think that was making us more and more nervous about what was what was coming. Uh, now that we've had a period of volatility, uh, a cheapening from where we were, um, I think that that, you know, that raises the prospect that returns might be better going forward once we've gotten through this this period of volatility. Um, on your first answer, David, you did definitely mention uh, a little bit of the consequence of what the tensions uh, in Brexit could have on markets or you're going um, to. I, my next question is regarding to that, which is after, I would say, a political year in 2018, um, can you give us any perspective on what possible political uh, activity in 2019 might affect markets in your head? Well, certainly uh, Brexit is uh, Brexit might uh, is going to impact markets here before the end of the year and uh, might continue to do so uh, early in 2019. Uh, I think that uh, they're trying to decide, or they that's the British Parliament's trying to decide, and the government's trying to decide whether there's a, a vote on Brexit next week. Uh, there's a chance that that not happen, but I think if the vote goes ahead, it probably fails, or at least the suggestion is that it fails at the moment, um, which would kick off a fairly intense period of, of trying to figure out what Plan B is um, for that. So I think that that's going to be... Um, you know, create nervousness in, in the marketplace. But um, the good news, I think, related to Brexit this week was um, that uh, one one of the key decisions that, that came out of, of Parliament this week was that uh, effectively reduced the risk of a hard Brexit. So, uh, so there's been some good news, but there is continuing volatility um, there as well. Um, other political issues that in in 2019, the re the really big one, way bigger than Brexit, I would say, is the continuing trade tensions between the U.S. and China. Um, you know, I think if if uh, President Trump and and Xi decided that they wanted to figure out a framework to end uh, the trade tension between China and the U.S., they could do so, and they could do so relatively quickly. Um, that doesn't seem like where we're at at this point in time. Um, and so I think that the longer this goes on, the more painful it is for the world economy. Um, from a direct point of view, the U.S. Uh, trade is important to the U.S., but it's not close to being as important as it is to the Chinese and to uh, other regions of the world, such as the European Union. Uh, trade, international trade, is a much bigger portion of both of those, um, both, both China and, and the European Union's uh, uh, total GDP. So when there's trade tensions and that reduces cross-border trade that has a bigger slowing effect on China 
and the European Union than it does on the U.S. economy. And I think the U.S. administration understands that, and that's part of the reason why they probably started um, the, uh, the the trade fight, if we can call it that, um, and why it's still going on, because I think more of the pain of coming to some sort of long-term agreement that's better for the U.S., um, the pain in getting to that agreement is going to be borne more by uh, the Chinese and emerging markets, and then the Europeans rather than than the U.S. It's a little bit of a dangerous game, but I think that that's sort of what what underpins sort of their uh, actions and, and activity related to this issue. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna I let Mike answer this question as well from a different perspective, which is uh, uh, after listening to a Mexican guy as a British guy about this international wars, <laughs> I want the Metfer guy to be able to answer this. But um, th I, how much do you consider these conversations at all, Mike, when it comes to wealth management? So this this comes up in a lot of meetings. Um, clients want your view, and uh, sometimes we. For the most part, we don't act upon views. And let me give you one quick example. When the Brexit uh, vote happened, and it was uh, so, kind of a surprise outcome, I had a client who I've known for years and is a personal friend. He said, really, I'm disappointed, Mike, that you didn't know you didn't know more about this and you should have got me out of the market. And the market dropped quite a bit. But within days, it had totally recovered. So I think it's really difficult in, in making a, a call, a very tactical call around something happening because there's a lot of moving parts. Um, so from there, that's my, my view on Brexit, and I agree with David's comments. I, I, I think it's a huge deal for uh, Great Britain, but I don't think it's a huge deal for the world uh, from a portfolio perspective. I do agree with his comments on trade. I worry about trade more so from a portfolio allocation perspective in terms of how much to allocate outside the U.S., and especially to emerging markets. We have, we have lots of conversations with clients about that. And they know that markets are cheap, emerging markets are cheap, but there's all these other factors that come into play, such as trade, which feels as it's beyond people's control. And there's a worry about that. So as we move on, I want to get some more of David's comments on that. <laughs> David, would, would you like to answer that? Um, so um, the specific question that you want me to answer is, it's an, an um, how would how would a portfolio start or change to be allocated when it comes to emerging or international markets, knowing that this um, not I don't want to call it trade wars, but uh, definitely trade conversations happen from a portfolio construction perspective. In the, in the short term, you know, I would agree with Mike's comment that he made in terms of reacting um, in the very short term to what you might see going on at that moment in time. You, you know, guys are agreeing a lot too, today. <laughs> it's, it's, too, it's too difficult to guess the, what happens next in the very short term um, time frame. So right now it feels that there's a degree of nervousness and it's warranted uh, related to stock markets in general and emerging markets in in particular and so you might decide well i don't want to take all of that risk let me exit emerging markets for now and i'll get back in later um i think what academic studies for many many years and generations have said is if you take that approach you will miss the best time to get back in and you will end up costing yourself return because you won't get back in soon enough so 
focus on the long term, not the short term. And, and what the long term, I think, tells you is that um, your emerging market equities relative to global market equities here have gotten relatively cheaper. And they have done for you know many years, not many years, not every year, but there's a long-term um, cheapening of the emerging market equity landscape that we've seen over the last decade relative to um, both non-US developed markets and certainly relative to, to the US. That is still... Um, that is still true um, today. But I'm guessing that your clients have already allocated based on that cheapening and the strategic long-term views of the long-term earnings potential of emerging market equities so that you don't need to have them react to at this point in time. Those parts of a diversified portfolio should should be there and should be in place. And and I would I would stay with them um, because, you know, the moment that we um, and at some point the trade tensions will end. I don't know whether it's in the next few weeks or it's more than a year from now. I have no no ability to be able to see that um, hmm. at all. But once yeah. they do um, and even you, you don't even need them to actually have an agreement, you just need the sentiment to change. Um, in the marketplace and that sentiment will really move markets hmm. uh, has the potential to move markets very quickly very rapidly so don't don't make short term moves stick with your long term plan it's funny I always think to that Winston Churchill quote democracy is the worst form of government except for every other and yeah. I think of it in terms of diversification <laughs> is the worst form of running a portfolio except for every other and I guess we diversify because we don't know, right? If we exactly knew, we'd just pick the hot asset class. And um, yeah, and I guess you kind of like jump. I wanted to ask Mike to close this particular uh, uh, podcast. If you're a client, if you're somebody listening to this, what should they be asking their advisor uh, specifically on what they're looking into the market right now? So I hate, I don't like it when people are reactionary. That said, when you talk about risk in the abstract and fluctuation in the cool light of everything going nicely, you might think you can take on more risk than you can take. So I think when you have periods like this, not that you're going to react to it at that moment, but you're getting stress tested and you're seeing what indeed does work for you. So maybe when the smoke clears a little bit, you may revisit your portfolio and look at it and say, okay, am I really comfortable with that kind of fluctuation within a portfolio? Awesome. Well, uh, thank you both for your time today. And uh, we're definitely going to come back to different topics in different episodes. Uh, but David, thank you for your time. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Mike. Take care, dude. Okay, bye Mike.